0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's help, com slash film daily.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, August 15th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film editorial director Peter and joining me on his podcast, Slash Film writer and box office analyst Ryan Scott.
2: Hey, happy Monday, everyone. How's it going?
1: It's going good. Uh, Did you do anything exciting over the weekend?
2: Uh, this was the first weekend in a minute I haven't had a ton to do, so I sort of avoided doing most things, other than like, uh, working out a bit. Uh, ran a 10k <laughs> yesterday. You know. Oh wow. Me, yeah. Well, I've been trying. I got in really good shape over COVID. Like I was one of the I was one of those annoying people that did that, and then uh, and then like I I went the like I had a bad hip injury, so like I just gained all the weight back, and like went. So now I'm like finally <laughs> yeah. now I'm radically swinging the other way again anyway i did go see fall that new lionsgate movie the one about the girls trapped on that radio tower um went and saw that last night how was that uh it was intense it's exact i don't really like heights so why i did that i don't know um it, it, it like they're on this radio tower that's two thousand feet up and it's in complete disrepair so things go wrong and like my palms were sweating for like the first 45 <laughs> minutes of the movie um a lot of it is them sort of trapped at the top, though, so it's not as much like descending and scary stuff, like in that way. But it is. Uh, I-, I found out today that it only had a three million dollar budget, which is nuts, and it you know looks it looks pretty good for that that amount of money. So I had fun yeah. with it.
1: That that reminds me of the movie from the director of Hatchet. He did on like a s- ski lift. Your oh, song? um,
2: uh, Frozen. F- no 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 no. i think it
1: had the unfortunate title of being it did no but that movie's good that's a good movie
2: it's there's there's some really disturbing stuff that happens toward the end of that movie like it is so messed up but it's really good
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, this weekend, I made the stupid decision, Ryan. I, I, a long time ago, we bought tickets to uh, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party in Walt Disney World, and we intended to go down there for, like, a week.
2: Oh, I saw this. You, and you. yeah. <laughs> those
1: tickets are expensive, Ryan. Like, they're, like, 160 or 70 bucks. I, I forget how much we spent on them each. So we invested the money, and there's no refunds. There's no, you know. no way to get your money back. No, you can't even sell them because they're under your name. Uh, So we're going to Orlando a couple times. Like actually I went a couple times in the past month and then we're going a couple times in the next month for Halloween events. So I was like, it it makes no sense to go out there for a week. So do we lose the money? (laughs) Do we lose this, uh, you know, $350 investment or do we find a way to go there the cheapest possible? And what we... And we ended up falling on, under the ladder, which uh, ended up being like two hundred dollar plane tickets, and then and then uh, staying one night at a hotel that was under a hundred bucks. Uh, but uh, Ryan, would I recommend going to Walt Disney World for? I guess we were there for like thirty something hours. No, I would not recommend that. <laughs> uh,
2: I could I mean, I've done. I I rarely get significant time off i'm actually weirdly enough i'm taking my first ever like full-blown long adult vacation later this year and it will be to disney world and the other parks around there uh in december but like so for me i'm used to sort of doing quick turnaround trips and stuff but i have never done like from la to florida that's that's a lot that's a lot
1: yeah, it's a five-hour flight each way, and uh, the, the funny part – well, there's two funny parts about this. Number one, uh, to get that cheap of a deal on airplane flights, you're flying at insane hours. So we flew at like 7 a.m. So uh, this this Halloween party got over at like midnight. We were back at the hotel at 2, and then we had to leave for, <laughs> leave for the airport at like 4, th- no, 5. So I think we got like a few hours of sleep. Oh, yeah. so fun. Yeah, so much fun. And also, Ryan, I'm not sure if, if you know this, but it rains a lot in Florida. So uh, we went all the way out there, and it rained the, the almost the whole night. So... That was fun, actually. Honestly, I had a good uh, good time. We hung out with some friends, and we made a video. I'll, I'll put that in the in the also mentioned in the show notes if you want to check that out. Uh, but let's get into it. Let's talk about the box office. I mean, we have you on here every Monday to talk about it.
2: I guess I guess the big thing that that is worth talking about is that, despite having a very robust summer here, um, you know, August was left bare largely. Uh, you know, there isn't a ton coming out, so by default of uh, Sony was sort of given a pathway to you know win when the weekend again uh with bullet train uh you know uh you know that's that's good that's good for Sony that's good for that's good for this movie um you know the bad side you know made 13.4 million uh which fine but the problem is this movie as we talked about last week it's got a 90 million dollar budget so you know it's at about 114 worldwide right now it, it's just not going to it just doesn't look like it's going to get where it needs to get to become profitable strictly in theaters. Now over time with premium VOD, the fact that Sony doesn't have a streaming service and that it can sort of leverage this elsewhere, it might over time make a modest amount of money. But when you spend $90 million on something, you kind of were hoping for a better result. I would still argue that this is a good sign for non-franchise cinema the movie's been able to top the charts for 2 weeks in a row you just need to rein in those budgets a bit
1: yeah i feel like this is the type of movie that when there was movie rental stores when you went to blockbusters this is the type of movie that would have done well in that scenario because they had you know some stars on it and people were like oh I what is this movie you know and they'd pick it up and i feel like uh you know now, now that blockbuster doesn't exist uh, vod is you know the the, the that the digital version of that it is. And
2: I think the premium VOD window has definitely like offered a new revenue stream that kind of didn't exist before where, you know, and I've seen people complain about it. Like I don't want to pay $20 to rent a movie. The good news is you do not have to, you can wait. The problem is people have, (laughs) I don't mean to sound like privileged or whatever, but like people have forgotten that patience is required in some of these cases. Like, we now get new movies at home far quicker than we ever did before. There is a lot more convenience here than I think people are giving it credit for. And, you know, I don't know. I think there's just some elements of that, that people sort of, I think are overlooking a little bit, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. I was just, um, I didn't get to go to the theater this weekend obviously because of my marathon trip, but ET returned to the theater in IMAX. And I, I was just, you know, I wanted to see that. That was one of the, I love that movie as a child, but I remember that movie like spent so much time in the theater before it ever was available on VHS or to rent. It was like years.
2: (laughs) It it was a lot. It was, it was almost, it was like a full year. And I think some change. Uh, But yeah, uh, yeah, ET made like a million bucks this weekend, uh, just in, you know, added to its (laughs) ever growing total. Uh, I actually just rewatched ET last weekend for the first time in years. I bought it on 4K and. Holy crap, like I'll cry if the wind kicks up wrong in a movie, but like, oh, I was two different <laughs> moments in that movie I was just shredded uh yeah, i just forgot. i'd forgotten uh i I contend that Henry Thomas delivers the best performance ever by a kid in that movie. It's phenomenal,
1: yeah, he's incredible i I feel like it would like nowadays a kid's movie like that would not go as hard on <laughs> some, some of the you know the the more sadder moments
2: oh my god when yeah. the the lab when like e t is dying. Yeah. like oh she's like i'd completely forgotten about that you know because you remember the ending you know i'll be right here and then you're crying for different reasons but like yeah when he's dying like oh that is brutal
1: there's also a shot of him like in the ditch that i remember he was like turning white or something At yeah least oh yeah the me- my memory of it i don't I haven't seen it in a couple of years so
2: yeah no it's it's i mean i will say it's still a very good movie uh it is it is uh but yeah it's uh you know yeah, hot take here. ET is a good movie.
1: <laughs> uh, well, Universal Pictures has passed a major milestone. What is that?
2: Uh, Universal Pictures has, uh, with their various releases throughout the year, has uh, now earned three billion dollars at the global box office, uh, led by uh, Jurassic World uh, Dominion, which is at just about seven uh, nine hundred seventy five million worldwide. Then you had like Minions: Rise of Gru. Nope. uh uh, black phone all these movies doing quite well uh, ultimately getting them a three billion dollar total for the year uh this is the first time a studio has done such a thing uh since disney did it in 2019 but we should note disney blew by that in 2019 uh 2019 had uh nine movies make a billion dollars or more and disney touched eight of those Seven of them were pure Disney releases, and one of them was Spider-Man Far From Home, which was partially Disney, partially Sony. So, you know, 2019 was an eternity ago by box office standards. But, um, yeah, so, um, you know, this is big, and, and Disney's nowhere near $3 billion right now. So, you know, Universal's king of the crop. Now, Paramount has had a very good year as well. They've got Top Gun that's nearing $1.4 billion on its own, but they've had other smaller budgeted movies that have done really well relative to their budget like Jackass Forever and Scream. So Paramount is also doing very well. It's just interesting that Disney has sort of over leveraged its streaming business and kind of under delivered in some ways at the box office this year. Uh, overall so universal is doing well with a diverse slate of films uh which is which is interesting but th- this to me the, the is, is a larger signal of the box office recovery and where it's at this year and it's kind of a light to other studios like yeah there is room for more and august is proving that there's room for more there could have been a couple of big movies this month so you know it's it's all good in my opinion it's a good it's a good sign
1: uh, speaking of universal uh jurassic world dominion which made yeah, a lot of a lot of that money. Uh, what, maybe one third of it, almost. Um, they are releasing an extended cut on VOD, Blu Ray, four K on August sixteenth. I wanted to, to run this by you, Ryan, because it's curious that they're doing this to promote the home video release. Why not release it again in the summer in in some theaters? And I don't get people to go back.
2: I'm not convinced we're not going to have that happen still. Because the movie's only, like, 25 million away from getting to a billion. So I wouldn't be surprised if in a few weeks or something, we, like, you know, oh, surprise, we're getting, like, a, you know, one weekend re-release or something. Um, I That wouldn't shock me. Uh, even though it'll already be out. You know, but the people that want to go will go. You know, I've already seen the bad movie twice. I would probably go see it again if they do that. Because I'm nothing if not a masochist. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know...
1: Yeah, I just wonder how much more is in that movie. I mean, I know we have the running time, but does that running time include that like that uh, the prologue? Prologue?
2: No, it does not because that was cut from the intro of the movie. Colin Travaro's talked about this quite a bit. Okay. Um I'm actually curious to see Now, I'm not saying that like we can get over the whole like weird like locust of it all. Did you see <laughs> Dominion Peter?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. So like the fact that like the big dinosaur movie was all about locusts, like you can't fix that, <laughs> but like you can, there's some things that I think maybe adding some of that stuff in could help. Um, You know, the, your biggest problem is just that the biggest thing in that movie is tremendously stupid and there's no way around it. So, um, but yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah.
1: I just think it's funny that they spent this whole franchise trying to get away from the island and do something new and then they like created a new island.
2: Yeah, yeah, I uh, the baffling baffling decisions. Uh I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I I it's it it is truly my biggest disappointment of the year. Uh Dr. Dr. Strange was a bit underwhelming, but yeah. but I I, I was it, you can documented our slack that i was the one person who was who was eagerly awaiting jurassic world dominion and was and was like the dad uh the the kid sitting outside of his house saying no no dad's gonna come pick me up mom you wait and see you know like and and uh and you know then i'm sitting there come sunday afternoon
1: you know like refusing uh,
2: to you know like it was it i was you know so i was let down yeah. pretty bad but uh
1: I, I was anyway. excited, too, and I was let down as well, but I, I still had fun. I think it's a, a bad, fun movie. It is. But. It
2: is absolutely. For me, it couldn't go there because it It, it just <laughs> – we don't need to do this. We don't need to okay, do this. Okay. We don't okay. need to do
1: this. <laughs> okay, let's move on to Nope. Nope finally landed at the international box office. Uh, how is it doing?
2: Uh, So, Nope is doing – Okay, now let's set aside the 68 million dollar budget for a second. Nope, yeah. nope has w- well over a hundred million dollars at the domestic box office. Very good. Uh, the problem is Universal for whatever reason waited like four weeks to even begin the international rollout at all. Uh, and that seems to have hampered it. It made less than seven million dollars in 19 international territories in total. Uh, so, it looks like it's going to make almost nothing internationally, and a lot of that has to do with the delayed rollout, it seems. So you really kind of needed that international money to justify this larger budget, um, and and now you're not going to get it. I have no idea why, I, I don't understand the inner workings enough to know why you release things in certain territories when you do, uh, but delaying it this long really seemed to not help it and uh yeah so this is gonna this is gonna really make it difficult to for the movie to turn a profit in theaters uh it's gonna you're just losing a lot of revenue uh and i don't know what that means but but uh well it means there's gonna be a lot less money for the movie but yeah. i don't know what that means in terms of jordan peele's next movie what kind of budget he can command you know what? You know whether what that means for the next person that wants a kind of upper mid budget sci fi movie. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of a uh, whether or not the next studio or Universal will look okay. That was on us, or they'll say, well, it didn't make money, and not blame themselves. Like it's just it's not great. It's not. Great. Yeah,
1: I mean, it was a good bet. <laughs> so I mean, you had to make it. Uh, I'm really wondering what the legacy of this film is going to be. Uh, like right now, I feel like there's kind of a uh, divisive and I'm, I'm hearing a lot of disappointment, but I wonder like, you know, 10 years down the line, are people even going to talk like uh, universal studios, Hollywood uh, relocated the Jupiter claim set from the movie and they like reconstructed it. They spent, I, I assume millions of dollars to do this and is now part of the studio tram tour alongside, you know, Steven Spielberg's war of the worlds and the psycho house and stuff like that. And I really wonder, like five, six years down the line, when they get to that point, are people even gonna like <laughs> remember? Nope. Is it? Yeah,
2: a- yeah, I think so because it's not like War of the Worlds is like one of Steven Spielberg's most beloved movies. You know what I mean? Like people love it, but it's not. You know, I I think that Jordan Peele's name carries enough that that will matter to some people. But I think like you know, you know, being on that tour, it sort of freshens up the tour, puts something new. Jordan Peele's name's got enough oomph to it. Might encourage people to check it out later. I sort of get it, um, I, you know. And the movie's not going to be a flop. Yeah,
1: like, I you know, know, it'll, it'll, yeah. it'll
2: over time. It'll, it'll make something. It's just not going to be like Get Out, you know, where it made an absolute king's ransom. But you know, like it, you know, I, I, I think that's a bet you make. Again, I'm just arguing that they were <laughs> that they made the bad decision by not doing the international rollout closer to the rollout of the original of the actual film. Oh, one hundred percent. You could also argue that with August being as bare as it is, maybe maybe like this weekend or next weekend would have been a good time to put it out instead. I don't know.
1: Yeah. By the way, we see that a lot happen a lot in reverse, where like a Marvel movie will be released internationally a week or two before it's re- released domestically here, and that that always bums me out because spoilers are all over the internet at in, in that point, like at that point, because there's reviews and there's you know people on Reddit and people just you know. Sneaking into your uh, at replies, saying stuff. Uh, but it never seems to have a huge effect on box office when they do it the opposite direction. Do you know why? Do you have any theories on why that is?
2: Yeah, I, that's actually one of the things. I've always wanted to talk to someone who handles like that for a studio because I want to understand some of that stuff. It's yeah. stuff I don't quite understand. And and I can't really find any interviews with people that like because it's something I don't fully understand. Um, it's got a lot to do with marketing and obviously they have metrics and teams that put this stuff together. I've always wanted to understand that element of the business a little better. Like, why do you release things when you release things in which territories? It's very interesting to me. I I I mean, a lot of it is for smaller movies, you know, you, you know, it costs money to market movies in other territories. So like you have to kind of, you know, allocate marketing budgets and like you figure out, okay, the movie made this much here so we can spend this much here to market it, you know, things like that come into play, but.
1: Yeah, I, I know, uh, you know, this isn't the overall reason, but I, I know there's been situations where internationally there's like holidays or there's like time off from school. So they have it like a, you know, there'll be kids off for from school for two weeks for, for a break at a certain time, which doesn't line up with when they want to release a here. And I know that's partially why it happens, but I don't, I, that's not always the case. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. So, uh, aside from everything we've talked to, talked about, it's been kind of a rough week for the new releases.
2: Yeah. So we talked about fall a second ago that, that was the biggest of the new releases and it, and it debuted at number 10 with just over $2 million. Now, the one thing I will say we talked about, and I, and I was curious when I saw oh $2.5 million, I'm sorry. Uh, but I was like, oh no, like, is that bad? And it's all and we talk about this all the time. It's all relative. Well, fall only had a three million dollar budget. You know, they did a lot with a little. So, I mean, you know, and it's already available on premium VOD as well on Amazon, I believe. So, like, you know, this is more of like a traditional platform release where, like, you're sort of almost using the theatrical release to promote the VOD release in some way. So, like, if this can even crawl its way to 10 million at the box office you know, between this and whatever international release, that's fine. And then, you know, you make it up on VOD and Blu-ray sales later, you know, because Lionsgate, you know, they they have stars, yes, but they can also sort of make deals with other streaming services. And, you know, I feel like this will make money. It's, you know, so that's fine. But it just didn't, there was no breakout there. And then Gravitas had a real stinker with Mac and Rita, made just over nine, just over a million dollars. I saw almost no promotion for this. It was on almost two thousand screens. I mean, that's you know that's pretty bad. So, um, wow. You know, yeah. That was, so that was you know uh, that that was pretty bad, pretty bad. And then Emily the Criminal was the other one from Roadside Attractions, New Aubrey, New Aubrey Plaza movie. That was more of a limited release. It was like on less than five hundred screens, made like six hundred and sixty-eight thousand dollars. Like not good, but again, that's another one of those ones where Gravitas tends to make its money through VOD, through Blu-ray, through international deals, stuff like that. So we'll see, but. You know, it seems to me that there was room for another big movie this weekend. Is the big thing my big takeaway there?
1: Is there any other films that were out this weekend uh, worth talking about for box office?
2: Only other thing is Top Gun Maverick did did something that nothing that never happens. Uh, it 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 went up two percent this weekend, and it and it <laughs> and it narrowly missed the number two spot. Made 7.15 million, whereas DC League of Super Pets made 7.17 million. I cannot emphasize this enough. Top Gun Maverick is in its twelfth weekend. This is insane. Uh, it's it's going to get to 1.4 billion, and uh, I mean, you know, this kind of thing just doesn't happen anymore. So you know, pretty crazy stuff.
1: Any theory on why it went up?
2: I think they did the IMAX thing oh, this weekend, yeah. where they were like that, But st- I mean, still, well, also again, lack of lack of big you know there was room for a bigger movie this weekend there really was so you know that's my thing but yeah yeah just Uh, just insane just insane
1: what are we looking forward to this weekend Uh,
2: well peter me personally uh i am extremely (laughs) excited about the idris elba fights a lion movie uh which is called beast uh again universal pictures um i i mean i am genuinely uh me and my girlfriend what did we go see uh oh we were going to see the black phone and uh, the trailer for Beast came up and I was flipping out. And she's like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, you don't understand, you know, like, and I just, uh, I am just, I don't know what that movie's financial prospects can be, but I think it's kind of almost going to by default top the box office. But I personally am very excited about it.
1: Uh, I'm, I, I can't share that excitement, Ryan.
2: <laughs> well, Peter, I'm sorry. I don't know who hurt you, but you know, I mean, if you, if you can't. I mean, come on, come on. It looks like Charlotte Copley is going to get eaten by a hippo. It looks great.
1: (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about, there was this big Disney investors call last week. It was like the earnings, uh, what did they call it? The uh, earnings, earnings. It was a
2: quarterly earnings call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, Disney announced uh, that the war is over, guys. They have defeated Netflix. They have more streaming subscribers than Netflix. The streaming war has ended is, is that the cave strain? Probably not I know oh, Peter sort of Oh
2: oh, oh <laughs> how transparent your baiting is. Um, okay so here's the deal. There was a, there was some hubbub when during the earnings call uh, uh, um, uh, D- Disney now has in total 221.1 million subscribers across its streaming services. So that's Disney plus with 152.1 million, Hulu with 46.2 million and ESPN plus with 22.8 million. Netflix currently has 220.7 million subscribers worldwide. So, you know, Disney technically has more streaming subscribers than Netflix. However, Netflix took some issue with the fact that that the way that was reported, because uh, so, for example, there's the Disney bundle where you get all three of those services for one. Well, the way Disney counts that is that counts as three subscriptions because you have three different services. Now, in some way, that's fair. Netflix has their one service. Disney has several. You know, Disney's essentially saying you can have three for cheap, but that's still you choosing to subscribe to three services. But in any event, uh, you know, Netflix is looking at, you know, look, we have this many households. Disney does not. You know, so it's kind of a, you know, how you want to count the numbers sort of thing. But the bigger thing here is that, you know, Disney Plus entered the market at a very low price point. So, yes, Disney sort of did this to get in there, get a bunch of subscribers. But their revenue per subscriber is much, much, much lower than your average revenue for your Netflix subscriber. Netflix has been in the game for years, introducing slower, you know, price hikes. So that kind of makes sense. But. So there's definitely, you know, a lot to consider there.
1: Yeah, and uh, Disney has announced that they're raising the prices, right? They're introducing an ad-supported tier, which is basically going to be around the same price as the last one was. So the ad-supported tier is going to be $7.99 a month, which is basically what what people are paying now. And then the version without ads is going to raise up to ten ninety-nine starting in December, a $3 difference from its current price. And uh, I, I'm wondering how many people an ad-supported tier is going to bring to the service, especially when it's only a $3 difference but i did want to mention that you know even the disney plus numbers is a little uh it's a little weird like you mentioned that like uh people are paying more for netflix so here's here's the thing disney plus um has 152.1 million subscribers for disney plus and out of that 152 million subscribers Fifty eight point four million are Disney Plus Hotstar accounts, which I believe Hotstar is in India. Is that correct?
2: I think that's the India. Yeah, because they have different region specific, like because international deals are different to work at. It's it's very complicated with the international stuff when it comes to streaming, and I don't fully understand all of that yeah. either. But yeah, that 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 is, I believe, the India region. Yes.
1: Yeah, so while the price right now for most people is $7.99, people are in like streaming deals where they're like either the bundles that you're talking about or maybe they signed up for a year and they got a discounted price. And the average price that people are paying domestically for Disney Plus is six twenty seven, dollars uh, in U.S. and Canada. But if you look at Hutstar, which it's funny because they didn't used to like separate it out in the earnings like it used to be like included in the international, but it brought that international number so far down that they had to separate it out. The average Hotstar subscriber pays dollar twenty for Disney Plus.
2: So, there's the average revenue per user, which is it's a term. It's ARPU. So that's not that's not average like priced of a subscription cost because like revenue is not seventy seven ninety nine a month. It's you know that's the that's the price that they're paying, but the revenue, meaning like what you're sort of earning over the, you know, what you're sort of counting towards your bottom line once everything is factored in. So like, for, for example, like the ARPU in the Asia Pacific region is only a dollar 20 per month. That was the big thing that was focused on. Whereas Netflix has an ARPU of 883 in the Asia Pacific region. Yeah. So like in that, and that has to do with Netflix having a much larger cost, per monthly user so they're earning 883 off of that subscription whereas disney's only earning a dollar 20 off of the subscription price so so that was so that had to do with netflix introducing its or i'm sorry with disney plus introducing its service at a much lower rate to earn subscribers in the beginning but that's why this ad free version is going to kind of change up the pricing model and we'll sort of you know we'll sort of amend that
1: it's just—I I wonder how that's going to affect the Hotstar part of this because there, there's such a huge amount of that subscriber. They're one third of Disney Plus subscribers, are star. You yeah, know what but, I mean,
2: but I mean that's the that's the idea, right? You're just—I yeah. think—and I talk about this a lot now—is that you need to give people options. That's the only way things are going to stick. So, you know, like I just canceled a bunch of streaming stuff because I wanted to sign up for Sling again because I want to be able to watch Monday Night Football. So like I needed a live ESPN stream. So oh. Sling Sling gave me some like you plus Sling does like DVR with it and stuff so I can DVR shows that I don't have to stream anymore or whatever. But like but, you know, like you need to give people options. So I think like having an ad free and an ad supported tier, like that's fine. I pay for Hulu with ads instead of. You know, like I make some choices like it, you know, because it all adds up. Um, So I think that, you know, but I think the idea is that you need to increase that, increase that revenue per subscriber because they're aiming to be profitable by, by, I think the third quarter of 2024, they're looking for Disney plus to turn a profit. So that's how you do it.
1: I wonder, like, you know, you said the average revenue per subscriber, once you introduce an ad supported tier, do you add in the ad revenue that well yeah that
2: ultimately because you average that all out that's all so like so that seven so what you're saying is that average revenue per user so like what you could maybe do once you have enough data is you could compare the average revenue per user for like an ad user and an ad free user and almost always the ad free user is gonna drive more revenue but like like spotify deals with that a lot where like the people that use spotify with ads like they don't generate nearly as much as a subscriber would so um but yeah, I mean, so that's because the ads are essentially what accounts for a decent chunk of revenue for that like lower price. So the difference is, though, is is Disney's going to run less ads, but they're still getting like eight bucks a month per person. So you're actually you're, your ARPU will probably go up there because you're going to have the roughly the same subscription cost plus the benefit of ads. So it'll be interesting to compare those two. But yeah, that absolutely gets factored into what. Revenue ultimately is driven per those subscribers. Absolutely.
1: I'm just amazed that the, this, this price breakdown, because if you look at Hulu, which is also, you know, owned by Disney, uh, $6.99 per month for the ad supported plan, which is the plan you pay for. But if you want the ad free plan, it's it's $12.99.
2: But I I have the bundle actually. So so, So I get, so it defaults to Hulu with ads. I could pay more, but I, at some point I compromise and I just say like, okay, the TV shows don't bother me that much <laughs> with ads, and a lot of times with movies, like when I watched Prey, they showed me a little bundle of ads in the beginning and didn't un- interrupt the movie after that.
1: So oh, for that's me, a awesome. lot.
2: So for me, a lot of the time, it's like, look, whatever, you know what I mean? You you just kind of make your compromises where you can.
1: Yeah, but uh, I, I guess the point I'm just trying to end off here is I'm surprised that the price difference is only three dollars, where Hulu it's like double the amount of money if you if you want ad free. I, I feel like they could they could do that here. Maybe they're going to, maybe they're inching their way towards that. Maybe,
2: maybe they'll widen that gap. Cause I also think with Hulu, Hulu runs a ton of ads. Like if you're on like a third, you know, Hulu runs a lot of ads. I think they've said with Disney plus, they're not going to run nearly as many ads. So, and and they're being very picky about the kind of ads they are going to run. So I think they actually can't really afford to kind of like, you know, cause Hulu, you've got a lot more to make up. If you're losing all of that ad revenue for a subscriber, then you need to, you know you need to make them pay so i think like the disney plus gap will be a little different
1: yeah um my problem with the hulu ads at least when i was doing it a few years back is it was like the same ad over and over and over yeah no
2: it drives me absolutely insane the the thing like when they when they ask me like which ads experience would you prefer i'm like shut up and do something i don't want to deal with this like i don't care i am much i don't care which bank of america ad you play me just do it this is taking longer
1: Okay, you can find more of all of our stories that we mentioned on today's show on com. You can find this podcast, SlashLim Daily, on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, He hears things differently